Glory to God. All right. Praise the Lord. I'm on. Hallelujah. How many of you came expecting tonight? Amen. Pastor's been teaching on Sunday nights for the last uh, six or so weeks about the Holy Ghost. Teaching different facets of the Holy Ghost, what His job is, what He does, how He works. Tonight, I'm not teaching on the Holy Spirit, but I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit has some work He wants to do. Amen? Glory to God. Tonight, we're going to look into our Bible, into the Word of life. We're going to find out some things, have our lives changed, have some things hopefully redirected in some areas. But before we do, let's go before the Lord and let's pray, okay? Lord, we love and we worship You, Lord. We honor You, Lord, great and powerful, honored, and to be worshipped is Your name. We worship and honor You, Lord. There is no one else like You. Holy Spirit, there is no one else in our life that's as powerful as You. We worship You and we thank You, Lord God, for Your Word. We thank You that the anointing is on Your Word and that it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, that it divides between our soul and our spirit. It discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. And Lord, if we'll let You, we praise You and worship You that You'll teach us and that we'll walk in Your ways. And so we love You and we worship You. Thank You for the good ground of hearts tonight that the people receive the Word, that it brings forth fruit, and that change and increase comes in their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about a subject that in this life can make or break your relationship with Christ. Can make or break your relationship with other people. And can make or break you in success or failure in your life. It affects every area of your life, your life as a whole. It's a commodity that these days is lacking in all areas. In the church and out of the church. But sadly, although Christians, although believers, those in the kingdom should have the corner on the market, really, in this subject, we don't. It's a subject that's a word that we talk about a lot around Christmas time. It's called peace. Peace. The word says, seek peace and pursue it. Depart from evil and do good. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the things will be added to you. There are three areas in our life that we need to have peace in and that our peace a lot of times is most affected in. The number one area that I want to talk to us about is peace with God. Peace with God. Now you may say, I'm born again. I've already come into the kingdom. I'm a child of God. I have peace with God. And if you received any good teaching, you know that God makes us the righteousness of God in Christ when we become born again. But how many of you know just because you got born again, just because you're a believer and you believe God, that doesn't necessarily mean that you stay perpetually at peace with God. Right? So, the kingdom of God, though, is filled with peace. Romans 14, 17. Turn there. Let's turn there. Romans 14, 17. If you don't have your Bible tonight, it should be up on the screen real quick. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say, God, change me. Holy Spirit, 
Work in my life. Amen. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I mean, you know, our righteousness, our righteousness and right standing with God affects our peace. And our peace surely affects our joy. Because if you know, you don't have peace, you don't have joy. Is that right? That's right. Alright, the first thing we need to do then is be in right standing with God. And this is a very simple thing to do, really. 1 John 3.20 says, If our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. He knows all things. But if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. When we become born again, the Bible says He makes us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But, if you'll notice this verse, the word says, if our heart condemns us, it says it in the negative, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Well, what does that say to us then? If our heart condemns us, we have no confidence toward God. We don't receive His righteousness and we don't receive His peace. Now, having said that, to have peace with God after you've been born again, well, to have peace with God before you've been born again, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord. Make Him your Lord and He comes into your heart and brings peace there immediately. But to keep and to maintain peace with God, we have to stay in a position where our heart does not condemn us. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there are things in our life that the Lord will speak to us that the Bible calls weights that easily beset us. We know what they are. The things that distract us. The things that get us off course. The things that we allow ourselves to watch on TV or the things that we allow ourselves to subdue that every time we do that, we get that little itch right here. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. But for whatever reason, entertainment value, it feels good to our flesh, whatever it is, we let that thing stay. And the Bible says if our heart is condemning us, if the Holy Spirit is checking us on something and we continue to do that, that we cannot have confidence toward God. Can we say we don't have peace toward God then? Right? Because if you're at peace with your spouse, everything's going good, you don't have a problem coming to them and saying, Honey, can you, can you do this for me? But if things are on the rocky, on the out and out, you've been psh, 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 all day, you probably, um, you may go ask them, can you do this for me? But it's probably not smart. Uh, you know, because the response that you get may be based on what happened the, the whole beginning of the day. Is that right? Okay. We want to stay in peace with God. And to do that, we have to keep our heart from condemning us. This means responding to the Holy Spirit and staying out of the weights and sins that easily beset us and keep us off course, right? We want to stay on our course with the Lord. The Bible says that the person that puts their hand to the plow and looks back, God's soul has no pleasure in. So we want to stay at peace with God. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith. And what did we say? Faith governs what? What we think, what we say, and what we do. By letting God justify us by our faith and by our obedience to Him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. We stay in the Spirit. We stay in God's way. We have peace. And we keep our peace with God. 
Most of us probably don't have a huge problem with that. However, if we are having that, that this is the most important area of staying in peace with our life. You know, if you're feeling condemned before the Lord, you're not going to be free to move much outside of that. Peace with God. The next place that we want to look at to have peace with is peace with others. Peace with others. We are called to peace. The Bible says, where it is possible, stay in peace with all men. Now you may say, Pastor Cheyenne, normally you're a little more, you know, I don't know, you may call it deep, you may call it out there, you may call it, I don't know what you want to call it, exciting. But you know what? This subject affects so many people, and I see it so many places, that we need some teaching on it. Because it will create freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where He's come in and He's redirected and He's brought His peace, man, there's freedom there. There's freedom there. But we have to, as believers, it's our responsibility to stay there. He gives us His peace on the inside when we accept Him. When we ask Him to come in and be Lord. He brings all that with Him. But it's then our responsibility to stay over there. And it's just like stepping in and out of a door. You can step in peace. You can step out of peace. It's like walking in love. It's like being, being in joy. Or any other subject. It's like being in the Spirit. It's the easiest thing in the world to step over into the Spirit. It's a conscious decision, though. That you step into the Spirit. We should be living there. Right? We should be living in peace. Peace with others. Like I said, we already said that it is our job then to stay at peace at all cost. Wherever it is possible. Romans twelve seventeen. Let's look there. Hallelujah. Romans twelve seventeen says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have good regard for others. Have regard for good things in the sight of men. If it is possible, and as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give, or, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap burning coals of fire on his head. And everybody said, Hallelujah! No, I'm just kidding. A lot of people like that part of that verse. But you know, probably if your heart is that, we're not going to have that. But the Bible says that, uh, that we should not return evil for evil. Do not uh, operate in wrath. If I had you to raise your hand and you told me, and I asked you, has anybody ever done something to you? that hurt you, that made a deep wound inside you? Has everybody, anybody ever done anything that made you angry and you immediately wanted to lash out at them? You know, most of us control ourselves enough not to do that, but we hold that then. And it grows. And it festers. And it, and it, and it really is not hurting the other person at all. It's hurting us. It's like planting weeds in your garden. And you might have a beautiful garden. You might have been studying the Word. You might have been doing things. You might have been planting all the good seeds and have some things coming up. 
but you let a root of bitterness, a wrath, a, a desire to have vengeance against someone come in. And it's like planting weeds right in that good ground. They weave their way in, and pretty soon you can't tell the difference. You need the Holy Ghost to cut it out. Is that right? But James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to get angry. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We can say this. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The wrath, anger, lashing out at others, being out of peace with others does not produce the kingdom of God. Does not produce the kingdom of God in our life. And so now I'm not telling you, the Bible says be angry and sin not. There are reasons to get angry. But there are some of us who get angry way too quick. And, and, and it's because we're staying in some inner turmoil. we got some unresolved things on the inside of us that make us react before we think. This is why the Bible instructs us to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. One thing I try to do, I don't always do it. One thing I try to do, though, is that when I want to speak quickly... I like to be quiet until I know exactly what I want to say. Because I have before, and I know you have before, because you're human, have said things quick, and you thought, oh, I wish I could take that back. I wish I could put that back in there. Come on. You know, you, you, know, you might say, rewind. I didn't mean that. But it's there, man. It's there. You know, and I read a poem one time, and it was so good. It was called Holes in the Fence. And it was all about... When we say things that affect other people, and it said it's like driving holes in the fence. And you can do all that you want to try to patch them, to try to make them, you know, fix them up, but there's still a hole in the fence. If enough elements, enough um, wind, enough rain comes, whatever you use to patch that hole, it can corrode and wash out. It's a hole in the fence. We want to stay at peace with others. Because I tell you, a lot of people are going through their days in so much turmoil, in so much just bitterness, in so much just all out of whack. Can't get things just right. Can't, can't seem to have a relationship without it somehow breaking down and getting out of peace, just doesn't fit right. Staying at peace with others, doing everything we can to stay at peace with others. Now, the next place that I want to touch on, and this is possibly, staying at peace with God is the most important, but this is very possibly the most effectual part, the most um, integral part, if you will, of this whole thing. And it's called peace with ourselves. You know, Jesus came to bring us peace. And He meant that when we had peace with God, that we could have peace with ourselves. But for some of us, there are things that have happened in our life. There are situations that have happened. Our parents may have said something years ago that just really hurt. Your mom or dad might have looked at you and said, You know, if you keep on eating like that, you're going to be as fat as Aunt so-and-so. 
caused a hurt. It messed you up right there. You might have had a, um, and some of these examples are, are personal examples. I won't tell you which ones, but, but just to say I know. You may have had an alcoholic father that you couldn't invite anybody home for. Because they, you know, because every time you wanted to invite people over, you never knew what you were going to find when you got home. And that messed, messed something up. Made you embarrassed. Made you carry around something. Shame that you shouldn't have had. You may have had a mother who, despite whatever you did, you could never get it right. It never was good enough. You know, you brought your grades home and she, you had a A, but it was a 90. Well, why didn't you make a 100? I mean, come on, is that the best you could do? You might have had an ex-husband, an ex-wife, who told you horrible things about yourself. And even though you entered the relationship thinking maybe you were all right, by the time they got done with you, you're, you, you don't know what you are anymore. You don't know who you are anymore. You get the drift? There are things that happen that, that get us all kind of messed up on the inside. And the Holy Ghost says He wants to pour His oil in and He wants to heal those things. He wants to make them right. And, but again, it is our responsibility to seek peace and pursue it. When we realize that we have that thing all messed up, our, our place, then, is to seek God, to turn from that. One of the best and most freeing places in all the world is to find out what's wrong. Because if you can find out what's wrong, then you can take some steps to finish it. You know, fix it. You know, it's much better to, to say, well, you know, I know that this point in my life turned a knob in me. And I need to get that knob turned back. I need to find out some things. I need to fix that. Because you know what? If we're submitted to God, part of humility is, is that we look and we find out what He says instead of what we've been telling ourselves for all our life. That we're not good enough. Because you know what? We didn't start out doing that, but, but maybe somebody gave us some little bit of fuel to believe that. And now we're telling ourselves, I'm not good enough. People don't like me. I can't, I, I can't be in a group of people and just be normal. Right? Okay, let, let's look. We can spend our whole life being upset then about the circumstance and what happened. Well, I don't know. Pastor Brian calls it the Mephibosheth complex. Somebody dropped him when he was a baby and he'd been hiding under the table all his life. <laughs> waiting for somebody to come fix it, you know? And of course, that story goes that David was looking for somebody of the house of Jonathan who he had made covenant with. And, and David found Mephibosheth and he did get him out from under the table. He put him on a king's robe. And you know, the point of that is, is that David said, you know what, you've been hiding under here under this table in Lodabar for all these years with this little crooked foot of yours all messed up when you were heir to the throne. You are part of the royal family. Do you not see this part of you that is messed up and that is crippled and that is crooked? God said, you're mine. You're part of my kingdom. 
Come to my table. Let me fix it. My goodness, don't hide it. Be at peace with yourself because I love you. You know, nobody else might have ever loved you in your life. People may have given you the reason to think that you were no good. But God said, I want to restore that. I want to take that part of you and I want to make it all better. I want to make it so that when you walk, you don't have to limp. When you, when you move and operate in, in the midst of other people, you don't have to respond out of this place of hurt and, 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 and turmoil inside of you. How do you know when we have a place on the inside of us that is turned, that is, that is hurt, that is crippled, that we act, whether we realize it or not, we act out of that. And many times we make other people very, very uncomfortable. In sociology, they call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you, and, and, and the Word and the Lord says, calls it, as you believe in your heart, so are you. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. Do you know that what you believe in your heart about yourself, you are living? You think nobody knows? That you have that spot there, but you're living it. And you know what? In too long in the church, we have preached and we have taught because of positive confession, and it is true. Positive confession is right when you find it in the Word. But we have taught and we have heard people teach that we don't need to make a negative confession for so long. Some of us are scared to say, I hurt. Something's wrong. Something's needing to be fixed on the inside of me. Do you know that there is nothing wrong? David did it all in the Psalms with saying, you know what? I'm scared. I'm hurt. Something is crippled here. Because you know what? We don't need a healer if we don't have an ailment. Is that true? We're Word people. We believe in healing that God wants to heal us. But why would we need a healer if there was never an attack? If there was never something wrong? And we teach on healing every first Sunday night for the physical man. But I'm going to tell you what, in the church, a lot of what we're missing is healing for the inner man. My goodness. Peace with yourself. I see it, man. I see it everywhere I look with everybody I come in contact with. People moving out of hurts. People, people operating out of this thing that they had no control over, but that they've not dealt with. All right. You know what? We can beg God to change the other people. We can beg God to fix them. But until we look inside and find out that we can do the things that are going to make the difference, we're generally just wishing and hoping that it would get better. And really, it's just getting worse. Because in the spirit realm... There is no such thing as standing still. You're either progressing or you're backsliding. Not maybe morally, but you're having a decline. And the quicker and the more we sink into that darkness, the more it's going to take to get back to the light. And the truth of God's Word wants to look right in there to that thing. And the first thing that we have to do is admit that it's there. Amen? Alright. Some like I said, have internalized hurts for years. They're in turmoil. 
They're searching for the wrong things. Acceptance in other people. Money. Clothes, whatever might make them feel better on their outward man. It's a mask. Someone else to make you feel secure. Always needing somebody to come alongside and and make it be okay. Make you feel like that you're okay and that you can operate. And no matter how much you try and how much you pull on other people, you never seem to get there. Because God, the Holy Spirit, to work inside you is the only way to get that healed. But we try. We, we, we do this thing where, um, you know, when, when I was younger, way younger, before I knew the Lord, you know, I used to just want to, I, I'd want to get up, you know, close to people. People that maybe I respected or admired. I, 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 would, I would make myself a presence to them, hoping that they would look at me and see something good. Hoping that sometimes, and, and if they did find something, if they did find a gift that I had, man, I mean, you know, you're just like, I mean, and it's crazy. But you know, you, you, you look at, you, you think about a little kid that just really just wants you to kind of pat their head or something. I mean, do, you know, do something. Or a cad. You, you know, cads make me, drive me up the wall. They come pearls against your leg. They can't talk. They don't have any emotion. They don't, but they're just, just drive you up the wall. After a while, I mean, you know, you're like, cat. Dogs do it too, but I'm a, I'm a, I don't like cats, but. Angie, I'm sorry. I like your cats. My little boy likes your cats when we go visit. But anyway, they just, you know. And some of us are that way. Like I said, I used to be that way. But you know what the cure for that is? The cure for that is finding out who we are in Christ. Knowing that when God comes into our life, that when we make Him Lord and Master and King, He sees us as righteousness. And if you are the King's daughter, if you are the King's son, man, there is no position in the kingdom that you cannot obtain. You are in right standing with Him. You are, you are the very apple of His eye. He loves you. And there's no insecurity and there's no thing that you need to do to get up closer to Him. Jesus already did it, man. Jesus already took care of that. He gave you the covering that you needed to where all that junk is. Man, He just puts the blood all over it. And when God looks at you, He sees the blood. There's no more, I need to be good enough. There's no more, man, if I could just obtain, if I could just show them that I'm worth something. There's no more, you know what, I, I just feel horrible about myself. I, I need you. I need, I need, I need. The Bible says if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that all the things that we need will be added to us. And that didn't only mean clothes and money and food. That meant that the Holy Ghost was to come alongside to help and to fill up those parts. Fill up those parts. You know what? And when we find that place that's not peaceful on the inside of us, man, we ought to treat that like the plague. Run from that thing. Say the word into it. 
Because again, part of humility is adjusting and finding out what we are in Christ and refusing to let ourselves be anything else. Is that true? And some people have um, mis- misread that sometimes as conceit. But you know what? It's not conceited. That is true humility. Conceitedness is God told you you were the righteousness of God and you said, No, I'm not worthy. I'm just a pauper. I'm just a worm. I'm not worth anything. And, and, and thank you for paying attention to me. Bunk. Bunk, 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 bunk. God said you were the righteousness of God. God said that you were in the kingdom. And in the kingdom you were a king and you were a priest. And when we adjust ourselves and we begin to say, you know what, I'm a king and a priest. And there is no one with no, any more worth than I have. There's nobody with any more worth than I have. You know what? I'm worth it all. I was worth Jesus. Amen. And you know what? There are places in your life, there are things about you that are not perfect. There are places, obviously, about me that are not perfect. And there are places about that person that you think is so perfect that is not perfect. Yeah, I used to get such a kick out of We went to Ramah. In our opinion, it's the best Bible school. It's the best Bible school for us because it's where God called us. Is that right? Amen. We we teased with Dave and Angie. They went to Christ for the Nations and, and you know, they kind of was wanting to get a little ruffled because we kept saying, Ray was the very best in the world. And, and finally, you know, we said, you know what? But Christ for the Nations was the very best for them because it's where the King told them to go. Is that true? But you know what? I used to get so, um, I used to get so, such a kick out of people that thought that Brother Hagen was, oh, not to take anything about, uh, away from Brother Hagen. He got healed miraculously from the Lord at age 16, made him Lord and never looked back. And for that, he is to be honored because he taught faith and he taught the love of God and he taught the things that the Master told him to. And God gave him a place and raised him up because he, he refused to do anything else besides what the Lord told him to. For that he is to be honored. But I, I got such a kick out of people that just, you know, they, they, you know, if they were to get around him, they couldn't hardly, you know, didn't even know what to do. Just couldn't. You know, and there is a little bit of awe when you stand before the prophet of God. You ought to have some respect for him. You ought not to, you know, just treat him like Joe Blow coming down the street. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, in the kingdom of God, Brother Hagen's not any, any greater than I am. Brother Hagen was never any greater than Miss Martha is. Brother Hagen was never more accepted in the beloved than what any of us are. And Brother Hagen was not more perfect than any of us can be if we seek God and walk out His plan for our life. That is what's so cool about the Lord. There is no position that is higher than another one. But some of us let ourselves again become so wrapped up in that thing that has plagued us that we never reach the position, that we never obey the Lord because of fear of what is everybody else going to think. Because we're not at peace with ourselves. Make peace with you. God did. (laughs) Is that right? I mean, of God, the Creator of the universe, the One that if He wanted to, could have said, you're not worth anything. 
Let's, let's shrug that one to the side. They never gonna do anything for the kingdom. They got born again of salvation. Let's take them home, Jesus. Right? But he didn't do that because he has a plan for your life. But we can let that thing that's in our life stop us from fulfilling the plan if we don't get it healed. The Holy Ghost says he wants to work it out. He wants to heal it. My goodness, admit it to him. I got this thing that's all tore up. I'm crippled on the inside Please come and help me. Amen? Because you know what? The time is too short. And the return of the Lord Jesus is too near for us to stay tore up in our struggles. Now, please understand me that I'm, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with having that. That's what I was saying about confession. It is important that you're able to admit, that you're able to say, if you never bring it to God... If you never maybe even bring it to someone else, you know, and say, I've got this and I need help, then it stays internalized and it never gets fixed. It stays in the dark. Bring it out into the light. Amen? Let's bring it out into the light. Let's get it fixed so we can operate in the kingdom and do what His mandate is. He didn't put us here just to go through life, have our babies or or whatever we do, raise our family, go through life, have our dog or our cat, hopefully get, you know, some kind of car that works. I don't know. Some of us are still waiting for a car that works, Amy. (laughs) Hallelujah. But you know what? Whether you got a car or not that works, God's still got a purpose for you. Amen. Everybody starts somewhere. And don't despise where you're starting. Some of us are a little behind because we hadn't dealt with some things. But you know what? God can fix it and put you right back on track. There's no condemnation if you've let things get in the way. If you've let, you know, something, if you've wallowed in your mess for just a little too long, there's no condemnation. Because God, the moment that you turn to Him, the moment that you seek His kingdom, man, He's right there with His healing. He's right there with His anointing. He's ready to fix it. Puts you right back on track. And the blessed place to be in the world is following His purpose for your life. Full-fledged. Refuse to let that thing that takes your peace internally detour you from what you're supposed to do. Joyce Meyer says when she's talking about fear, do it afraid. Just do it afraid because you know what? The time that you look at that thing and you say, you know what? No longer am I going to let this thing hinder me from walking out the plan of God. You (coughs) kick the devil right in the face, man. I mean, it's just like once you turn that corner, once you make that step, it's like when you got born again. If you were sitting in a church, a lot of us had the experience where we want to just hold on. Hold on. Woo! I don't know, you know, I don't know if I can let go. I hear you calling me, Lord, but I don't know if I can let go. But man, when you take that first step, it's like you just float down, you know, to the altar to respond to the Lord. And it'll be the same, the same thing with those areas of lack of peace in your life. When you make that step and say, I'm not going to have this anymore. I'm not going to let this thing control me anymore. Man, it's smooth sailing from there because the Lord will anoint you then. He can come alongside to help. But you know you can't help somebody that's sitting still. 
You can't help somebody that's not making any movement toward him. Easier to steer a moving car than a part one. Isn't it? Yeah. Man, we've all had experiences trying to push the car. Whoa! You know, if we didn't have to get it there, we'd just leave it where it was. And that's kind of the way, you know, the Lord does. He'll speak to you about the thing, but He ain't going to push you. He's not going to push you. Amen. So if you know who you are in Christ, it won't matter as much about what people think about you. You'll just get up every day, do your best to love God and respond to His plan on your life. Ask yourself two things. Do I know who I am in Christ? And am I walking in righteousness and right standing with Him? And if you can answer those two things yes, then that right there is all the things that you need to be at peace. Because really, in this life, what matters is what the Master thinks. You're not going to answer to the people around you. You're not going to answer to that person that hurts you. You're not going to answer and have to be good enough for anybody but the Lord. Is that right? And He's already said you're good enough. He's already said you're accepted in the Beloved. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Let's get at peace. Let's walk in peace so we can help some other people. Right? You can't, if you tore tore up in your own turmoil, you can't outreach. You know, it's kind of paralyzing. Let's get in line with what the Master wants to do and what the Holy Spirit wants to do on the inside of us. Amen? Amen? Glory to God.